Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Today, Pastor Jim gives you the easiest but most impactful piece of advice you may ever hear. He steps away from the Church of Philadelphia in the lesson to offer this advice as practical and relevant action you can apply to your life today. The church was being commended for their behavior and their continued spreading of God's Word, even under the pressures they face daily. So the advice is this, when you are around others who are acting godless, all you have to do is behave in a way that's pleasing to God. Well, let's join Pastor Jim in the book of Revelations chapter 3 as he continues his message, Jesus' special love for a very strong church. For you small business owners, let me just give you a bit of advice. It's nice to be able to brag to your friends that your company builds this much, right? But at the end of the day, what do you want to focus on? What's in your pocket at the end of the year? Okay, so that's no charge for that advice, right? Because that's what you want to focus on. It's very, very important because you could have a $20 million business and if you're losing money, you're broke. You could have a million dollar business operating on a 30% profit. That's $300,000 a year. That's pretty good. You're doing pretty good. And you have all of those headaches that a $20 million business has. So no charge for that. Why would I say all that? Look at the back of your program, and you'll see some verses at the bottom. Okay, can you read them right there? For you have magnified your word above all your name. Now, that's the kind of a complex verse, but let's just talk. look at the magnified your word. Here at our church, we have made the decision from day one to focus on the word of God. That has been our focus. We go line by line, verse by verse, not skipping over from here and there and here and there, because we're not trying to, remember we said last week that the church last week, which was big, was a mile wide and an inch deep. Philadelphia is an inch wide, but a mile deep. And that's what we want to be. So why do we focus on the Word of God? Because the Word of God teaches us about God and teaches us about His character. And when trouble hits, you're ready. You're ready. You will stand strong. To me, this explains why there's so many false converts in our churches. Did you know that our churches are full of false converts? Full. People not being told the true gospel. People being told what they want to hear. Why? Because many of our churches are not built around the word of God. And if they're not built around the word of God, they're not built around the character of God. The apostle Paul told the Ephesian elders when he was leaving them, I did not neglect to teach you the whole counsel of God. And in a sense, we're doing it right now. On Wednesdays, we're in the first book of the Bible, and on Sundays, we're in the last book of the Bible, right? And so we want to teach everybody the full counsel of God. And why? Because God honors those who honor him. God honors those who honor him. It may not seem like that to you right now. It may not seem like things are, things are going right. Maybe you're wondering, why isn't God giving me more opportunities? Well, here's a soul-searching question. If he did, what would you do with those opportunities? 
Have you already begun to discipline your life to live a life that God would want you to live? Or are you waiting for this quote-unquote success? You know, you've got this health and wealth gospel, and, and most of God's people aren't too wealthy. Why? I think I have a theory that I can't say it's true, but I think that most people, if they gave them a lot of money, they would self-destruct. They would be too busy managing their money, too busy spending their money, too busy doing all the responsibilities that they have. And what would, what would slide? Their faith would slide. So if you're thinking, well, I really have a dream. Maybe you're a young person. You're, I want to do this or I want to do that. I would tell you right now, make sure that you have the disciplines in your life of worship, of Bible study, of prayer, of all of those things, and then don't take them out should God bless you. The Philadelphia church was not full of false converts. This church was alive because they kept God's word and they didn't deny Jesus with their lives. You know, in your work, Right? We, we talked about we want to help servants to become servants. Your coworkers really care a lot less about your religion, your views on Jesus, than they do about your work. If you're like, you know, leaving your work on a Wednesday, you know, Wednesday night, you're like, oh, sorry, can you finish this for me? I got to go to summer suppers, right? <laughs> They're going to be like, what do you, come on, this, your faith's not real. And I always say this, I said it in the last service, didn't plan to say it, but I want to shortchange you guys. If you're a married guy, do you want to really make a difference with the men you work with? Do you know how you do it? The way you talk about your wife. When everybody's complaining about their wives, right, you nip that one. You say, no, that's not it. That's not true. That's not the way it goes. And the truth of the matter is this, and I, I'm going to have to really like, go through a list of people in this church because I looked at the first service. I won't look at you guys. But I looked at the first service, and as far as I can tell, every single man in this church, including me, has married up. <laughs> right? I, I, don't look at any, I don't look at any couple and go like, wow, she's so lucky. <laughs> I never think that. I never think that. All right, more commendation, verse 9. Indeed, some verses say, Behold, look, note, I tell you, indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan. And what's the synagogue of Satan? Well, we saw that in the church at Smyrna, people who were trying to destroy the church of the Messiah. I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not. What does that mean? Outwardly, they would say that they're Jews Inwardly, they're not. What is that? False converts. False converts. People going to church all across America, and they live the rest of the week like Jesus didn't even exist. Like God's alive for one hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is. Some people have five-hour services, whatever. He's alive for that portion of the week, and the rest of the portion of the week, he doesn't even exist. He says, they say they're Jews, and they are not, but lie. Okay, they think they're the people of God, but they're not. They're lying, he says. Indeed, or look, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know or to learn that I have loved you. What is he saying? Those people 
who persecute you will come to know that I, God, have a special love for my people. Now this is, when he says the synagogue of Satan, it's not anti-Semitism because Jesus was Jewish. Also, it says the Bible teaches that followers of Jesus will help God judge the world, and that would be both unbelieving Jews and unbelieving non-Jews or Gentiles. So we come to verse 10, more commendation. And verse 10 is a hugely controversial verse. And I got to tell you, sometimes when I come to these verses, and I know people like to camp out on them, and they like to argue about them, and you can have a big discussion in the cafe after service. I won't. I have to go through it for the Bible geeks, and I know I'm going to confuse some people, but that's okay. Don't worry about it. I'll give you the, the thing we really need to focus on at some point in time anyway. Because what happens is, is when you get tied up in these discussions, especially in a text like this, you totally miss the joy of the text. If you're arguing about a, a pure joy text and you get into this heated thing, like what's the point? So verse 10 says, Jesus says, because you've kept my commandments to persevere. Remember, he's talking to the whole church or to endure. I also will keep you from the hour of trial. You might want to circle that in your own Bible. That's why we want, it's good to bring your own Bible. Which shall come upon the whole world. We have to stop there. What does he mean by the whole world? First of all, what does he mean by the hour of trial? I don't think it's a literal 60 minutes, right? doesn't mean that 60 minutes you say to Jesus all the time, hey, Jesus, it's getting close, man. You better bring him. Let's go. Hurry up with this. But what does he mean by the, the whole world? Well, in a lot of John's writing, the world means the unbelieving world, so we don't really know. To test those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, behold, I am coming quickly. Some versions say soon. Let's stop right there. So Jesus continues to commend their endurance. They're maintaining their faith despite many difficulties. The big question is, what does he mean when he says, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world? Here's the problem. There's some real translation issues with this verse. And depending upon the way you translate it, it can come up with different meanings. So it's hard to tell when Jesus says, I will keep you from the hour of trial, does he mean I will preserve you and protect you from the hour of trial? Or does he mean I will evacuate you? I will get you out of here. I'll take you out of this place. So, and is it one event or is it a series of events? Hard to say. So before we get into the confusing part, and some of you, you may want to be like, I don't know what he's talking about. But don't miss this part. This is the part that encourages me in this verse. Jesus says, I also will keep you. Before it all hits the fan, whatever it is, and this can be taken at every single aspect of your life, you lose your job, you lose a spouse, you lose a friend, you lose a parent, you lose something or you get an illness or a sickness or whatever it is, know this, Jesus says, I also will keep you. That is a principle of God. So that is where I find my confidence. Now, many believe, and some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about, some of you won't, 
Many believe Jesus is talking about the rapture of the church. So we don't have a lot of time to go into that. You can just go Google that word rapture when you go home and find all kinds of false teaching on the Internet. What is the rapture of the church? That is Jesus evacuating the church out of the world. A few passages that talk about it. The main one you might want to jot down is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the most popular passage. Now, most people agree about the rapture. Why? Because it's in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and other places. And, and so it's the timing that they debate. The timing that they debate. Now, some people, is it before the hour of trial, or some would refer to that as the great tribulation, and so is Jesus going to help us before then? Is he going to do it in the middle of it? Is he going to do it afterwards? Fair to say this is an important verse for the pre-tribulation rapture position, also known as dispensationalism, all these big words, which is the evacuation view. Now, this view, and I always like to put with parentheses, with variations, because there's a million variations within every view, is the position of Calvary Chapel. But the arguments for both sides are very good. But even if this verse means protection and not evacuation, it doesn't prove that the pre-tribulation position is wrong. And you know what? You could go through a list of Bible teachers that you love, and I bet you they do not hold to the same position on this stuff. And so, you know, we want to be charitable. We said there's a lot of false converts in the church. If you look at the amount of people, if you just said, well, what, if I asked you what you thought a real true Christian is, you'd be like, well, you know, it's someone who, who goes to church fairly regularly, reads their Bible, maybe puts money in the offering, and maybe serves in their church, and and cares about others and helps people and, you know, kind of stuff like that. Well, maybe in the United States, 70% of the people say they're Christians in the poll. If that's what you said, those things that I just mentioned there, you just lowered it down to about 10%. That would be about it. So for me, I'm going to have views, but, but I'm not going to argue with somebody who feels differently. I, I'm, gosh, I just want to you know, love people. I want, to be, I want to have Christian friends on something that the timing is not what's important. What matters is, Jesus says, I will also keep you. So, we've only gone the first two, and it's almost Monday. And those of you who wanted this, the short sermon, don't be the synagogue of Satan. All right, number three, the complaint. The complaint. You ready? You ready to write? Ready? One word, None. None. Somebody knows already. See, here the Bible is significant in what it doesn't say. Only two of the seven churches are healthy. And next week, oh boy. <laughs> That's it. Number four, the correction. Now, the correction is normally repent, but since there's no need to, it's more of a command for grace-motivated effort. The second half of verse 11 says, hold fast what you have, what we've been saying, that no one may take your crown. What is this? This is the crown of, of victory for the faithful. Perhaps Jesus is warning them that when you walk with me, and warning us, when you walk with me, you can bet the other guy is coming for you. You can bet that's what's going to happen. 
See, a lot of times you see your friends in your life and you're like, man, they don't follow Jesus and all this, no, no bad stuff ever happens to them. Everything seems to be going their way. What's up with that? Well, the other guy, why would he come for them? He's already on their team, right? He's already a card-carrying member of the, of the synagogue of Satan. He's a member. So what will happen? They Listen, they went after Jesus. You could expect sometimes people are going to go after you. I mean, that, that's the way it is. And so what might he be saying to them? Just keep walking in grace. Don't get cocky. Okay, number five, the consequences. Now we're really on a roll here, right? Verse 12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar, might want to circle that word, in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the negative consequence was really that no one may take your crown. If you don't hold on, you may lose your crown. Doesn't mean you might not make it to heaven, but you may lose your crown. The positive is, if a follower of Jesus if a church holds on and perseveres through trouble in the power of the Holy Spirit, what does Jesus say? I will make you, you, a pillar in the temple of God. The temple is the place where people gather, but also in the New Testament, we're told that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So it's not only the place where people gather, but it's also the people themselves. And did you ever see a building that was being refinished or something like that, like an old cathedral or something like that? What's still standing? The pillars. Or pictures of, of, of ancient, you know, Roman Empire, ancient Greece or something like that. What is in a lot of those places? The pillars. Nothing left. Everything else is wiped out, but the pillars. Because the pillars are unshakable. A pillar holds the building up. The pillar was impressive. And today we talk about people in our communities. We'll say, well, they're a pillar of the community. It means they are, they are a strong person in our community. Now, why am I talking all this pillar talk? This is very important for you, loved ones. We talked about this when Leah was saying, I just want to be seen. I just want to be heard. I just want to be loved by my husband. You may feel insignificant in this world. There's a lot of people in this world, and you may feel insignificant. Now, when you're young, you want people to notice you and to hear you and to see you and to love you. When you're older, you want everybody to leave you alone, right? <laughs> you just get old and cranky. You're like, every time somebody comes up to me, they ask me to do something or they ask me for money, right? <laughs> but you may feel insignificant. You may feel of little value, you may be full of doubts. You may be full of fear. You may have a tons of different struggles. And Jesus says, if you remain faithful, I will make you a pillar. I will make you strong. You will be able to stand. When the, when the roof is caving in, when the walls are falling down, when everything around you is out of control, you will stand strong. That's the problem with false converts. Bad thing happens, and what, what do they do with the church? Boom, they're gone. They're gone. Because they're like, well, this didn't work out for me. But pillars, strong people, 
can stand up under the pressure. I cannot tell you how many times I have gone on hospital visits and the family that was there basically says this to me, and I could sum up in one sentence what so many of them say, thank you for teaching us about God. Now, why did this happen? Now, why is God allowing this? Thank you for teaching us about God. You know what that is? That's a pillar. That's a pillar. People being what God has called them to be, pillars. And Philadelphia was a church filled with loving worshipers of God and filled with pillars. And Zechariah 4.10 says this, for who, for who has despised the day of small things? See, a lot of times we think whatever we're doing doesn't really matter, or it doesn't make a difference, or I'm going through all of these trials, but trials, trouble, staying on, perseverance, they will all eventually add up to great things. The area of the city of Philadelphia was prone to earthquakes. And what did the pillar do? The pillar held up the building. And these were people who were holding up the church in an area that was under great persecution. Again, only two of seven churches are healthy, and they were the example. Jesus is like to everybody, look at Philadelphia. They must have been like, Philadelphia? That little church? That little dump? What are you talking about? Jesus says to them, though, I give you three new names. He says, I give you the name of my God. What does that mean? He says, you belong to God. Stop looking around at everybody else. And remember that you belong to God. He said, I'll give you the name of the city of my God. That's the new Jerusalem. I'm going to give you a new place because you are a new people. And then he says, and I will give you my new name. I will give you my identity, your identity in Jesus. All that to say the reward for perseverance and enduring and obeying God, God gives you, God gives his church himself himself. And loved ones, that is Christianity. That is what Christianity is about. The holy one, the true one, the one who holds the key to heaven came to earth. God himself became a man. On Christmas morning, we celebrate that God became a man and he was born in a manger. Is there anything weaker than a baby? Yet this baby grew up into a young man who kept God's word perfectly. And then the hour of trial came upon him. God's pillar was betrayed by his friend, put under trials. In the garden, he asked, for, he asked to be spared from the separation from God that he would experience the next day on the cross and, and the wrath of God for our sins. He's like, God, listen, there's another way. Can we, can we make this happen? And what did he get for living that wonderful life, perfect life, and for his prayers? What did he get? He got a cross. See, God has purpose in all of our suffering on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We pointed out a couple weeks ago that he normally always called Jesus his father, but on the cross, he's not talking to his father anymore. Now he's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken for me? Why would he say that? Because the door of heaven was shut on the perfect son of God. Why? Because Jesus was dying on the cross in your place, in my place for our sins, and rose from the dead, 
And the Bible says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so here's the question. Have you called on the name of Jesus? Have you called on the master of the palace? And has Jesus opened the door of heaven to you? If you would like him to, all you need to do, Jesus said, repent and believe, repent, turn to God and believe, put your trust in Jesus Christ, and Jesus will open that door for you. And it's not just a one-time thing. You do that constantly, not to keep getting saved again and again. It's just consistently saying to the Lord, I turn to you. Please help me live for you, and I trust in you. And you'll know it's true. You know why? Because you will be different, changing and changing and changing. My prayer is that today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that you would open your heart to him as he has opened his heart to you. And that the master of the palace would continue to grow our church into a very strong church and work mightily in us. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.